You're listening to Mexico, otherwise known as Islander, from Cruisin' World. Released November 1996, composed by Vince Pontarelli. What's up, BG Maniacs? Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show today, he is the host of Very Good Music, a VGM podcast every month with Shoot Kapow. It is Bedroth. Welcome back, sir. Hey, hey, thanks for having me, Brian. It is always great to be here. Yes, I like the episodes when you're here with me and not just when I put music together for radio hours. So this is nice. <laughs> And we got a fun one today, but real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcast or whichever app that you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. It really does help out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Head on over there, check out our tiers, see what we're doing. And if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zanku. So Bedroth, the theme of the episode this week is Latin. Yes, I uh, threw this out a couple of shows ago uh, because I knew this would be coming out uh, the first week of May, um, hopefully. And <laughs> hey, I've been doing pretty good. You have. You've been doing a great <laughs> job. We've been we've been getting a lot of uh, a lot of beach media lately. I've been spoiled. This should be so. up the day before Cinco de Mayo. 
which would be great. And that's that's actually why I threw this out. But I specifically just said, hey, let's do Latin because I wasn't sure how much we would be able to specifically find limiting ourselves just to Mexico and also, you know, keeping up with the quality. Mexico is not super well represented um, outside of fighting games in uh, in VGM. So um, I, I was really interested to see what you would bring and looking at the playlist, I, I don't think I'm going to be disappointed. No, I don't think so either. I definitely went outside of the traditional what you think, obviously, if you hear Latin music, I mean, most people think Spanish guitar and a majority of what we're playing today, but I wanted to make sure we actually had some Latin tracks in here as well, some Latin vocals. So we will later on. <laughs> um, we are, uh, you know, just, just uh, up front, uh, Brian and I are a couple of white guys. We don't really know a whole lot. We don't have any vested interest in Cinco de Mayo specifically as a Mexican holiday. But that actually, I was doing a little bit of preliminary research, and that is not going to be really an issue because Cinco de Mayo is a much bigger deal in the United States where it has kind of been co-opted as just kind of another a Mexican drink party day. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's kind of like what St. Patrick's Day is, but you know, it it holds a holds a different um, weight for people who are actually Irish than everybody else who goes out and I'm like, yeah, I'm one fifth Irish. So exactly. I'm going to go get drunk. <laughs> but um, it, this is a holiday in, in Mexico, Cinco de Mayo. It is, it, it's really kind of interesting. It, it's almost like Mexico's version of um, like the War of 1812. This is something that happened after um, Texas got its independence, after the um, the Mexican-American War, where we got like the whole Southwest of the United States. Uh, so Mexico was already kind of down. They'd taken a couple of hits. They had not been a country for all of that long, uh, independent from Spain. And they owed a lot of money to France and Spain and Great Britain. And France decided they were going to come and collect. So they invaded Mexico, um, not unlike something that's going on right now. And uh, this Cinco de Mayo was the day when Mexican forces defeated the French army, who outnumbered them by at least three to one. Might have been something like six to one. Uh, France was one of the most powerful armies in the world. And Mexico was just this little ragtag band who had already lost two wars in the last 50 years. And they... They held them off. They, they actually won the Battle of Puebla on May 5th, 1862. And even though the French did eventually get to Mexico City and take over for a little while, this was a huge boost to morale and actually fueled a lot of the revolution that eventually um, helped the Mexicans get their country back from France. So um, so that's the history of Cinco de Mayo. Uh, Gotta and appreciate all those history lessons you bring to the show. <laughs> um, I, I love to research. I like to sound smart, so what can I say? Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to dig too deep into anything else related to like anything specifically Mexican about a lot of the stuff we're doing. I'll probably just throw things off off the cuff, but I did want to drop some of that up front because I didn't know a lot about Cinco de Mayo and what it was all about. And so probably, and I'm in Texas, where we're just about as close to Mexico as any other state besides California. And I guess, you know, Arizona, New Mexico, but you don't, you don't hear a lot about that. Anyway, we, we have a lot of history with Mexico here in my state, and I still didn't know about this. So I thought it might be interesting for 
some of our listeners. I remember studying Cinco de Mayo in Spanish class back in high school, but I tell you, I forgot most of that by now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that stuck with me. I remember more about Day of the Dead than I do Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, Day of the Dead is a lot more. It's, it's another. It's it's really popular, I think, because it's also kind of related with uh, with Halloween, and so a lot of people right. sort of bundle Which them is together. More my speed, yeah. I'm definitely a, a big fan of Halloween and that whole season, as I you know used to work at a haunted house for many years. <laughs> yep. But yeah, Cinco de Mayo doesn't have another uh, another holiday to sort of piggyback on, so it's just sort of Mexican St. Patrick's Day in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, there really isn't too much in April or June or even that we could kind of bandwagon it with, but yeah, you're right there. Um, I'm excited to get to this playlist today because, like I said, a majority of it is going to be what you expect with a, a episode titled Latin, but later on, like I said, I do have a nice block coming up. So that opening track that we came in with, Bedroth, was your first pick of the episode. And what was that? That was Mexico with the subtitle Islander from Cruisin' World. And pretty sure that was the arcade version. I don't remember the N64 sounding that good. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but uh, I-, I never played this game. I played the original uh, Cruisin' USA quite a bit on the N64, which... I don't remember the music from that game being too excellent, but... It wasn't, this, from what I remember. Yeah. And I played the... I That was the other game that I had when I got my Nintendo 64 on top mm-hmm. of Super Mario 64. It was that in Cruising USA. And I played a ton of Cruising USA. <laughs> yep, it was um, Mario 64, and I think mine was also Cruising USA. I remember playing Pilot Wings a lot, but I think I rented that one, so... Yeah, my next-door neighbor had Pilot Wings. We lived in an apartment complex, and I used to borrow that all the time. <laughs> Pilot Wings 64 was so much fun. It was. Um... But this game, uh, I I never played it, like I said. It always looked fun. I might have actually sat down at it a couple of times in the arcade over the years, but this track just really stuck out to me. I had, like I usually do, I had kind of a, a longer list of tracks I was picking from, and um, several that were just called Mexico. And <laughs> after I narrowed it down, this was the one that I, that I kept, and I wanted to lead with this one after I talked to you a little bit about it, because... It's really, it's got that sort of classic, um, I, I don't know the different styles of Mexican music enough to, to be specific about them, but the, you know, the, the, the vocal that, that is just, it's that quintessential sort of Mexican party sound, reminds me of the Gypsy Kings, and uh, the, the guitar, like you said, and it's just, it's really, it's festive. Uh, and that and rolling it, tongue, dude. Yes, <laughs> yes. I can do it. I can do nice. it. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm too bashful. I can do it in real life, though. But, <laughs> but yeah, this is um, this was just fun. Just fun stuff. I liked it. It was it was a good track. I have some experience with Cruisin' World. I did own this on the Nintendo 64 as well, but it never captured my attention like Cruisin' USA did. And that's probably because by the time it came out, there were a lot better games available on the N64. Mm-hmm. When I first had Cruise in USA, there wasn't much available, so I played the crap out of it because, again, it's all I had, and really, that's all that was released at the time for the N64. The N64 didn't start getting, like, a, a plethora of games until later in 97 and then 98 for sure. Yeah, if you eventually got burned out on Mario 64, you were pretty limited at the beginning, so... <laughs> you were, and, I, and I, I will say I never got burned out on Mario 64 in the beginning. I never did. <laughs> that's true. Man, <laughs> I played I that game so many times through and through. I, I put so much time into that game, um, but not so much Cruisin' World, and I had forgotten that this track even existed, so it was kind of cool to hear it again. It was a lot of fun. What do you say we kick things off? Let's jump into this first block here, and then we'll come yeah, back man. and I'm talk about these tracks and talk about more 
Cinco de Mayo, I'm sure. Something, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk more on everything. But this first track that I have coming up is kind of interesting because I couldn't find a lot of information on not only the game, because the game just came out uh, like two months ago, but it's also a prologue, more or less, that was released for free on, I think, PC, Xbox, and PlayStation for Ghostwire Tokyo, which was releasing later in March. And this was, Ghostwire Tokyo is an action game. Uh, This was a visual novel, more or less, and it was about an hour to two hours long. And I did play it. Um, And when I was playing through it, this track stuck out to me. And I actually ended up kicking one of the tracks that I had to include this in my playlist because I really thought it was a standout trumpet piece of music. I don't know what it's called because, again, (laughs) I couldn't find anything on this game and I don't know who it's composed by. So let's kick things off with what I'm just calling trumpet music from Ghostwire Tokyo Prelude Corrupted Case File, released on March 8th, 2022. And again, the composer is unknown. Coming up next, we have Scarlet Wind from Radiata Stories, released September 6, 2005, composed by Noriyuki Awadare.
Last up, we have Near the Border from Ace Combat Zero, The Belkin War. Released April 25th, 2006, composed by Junichi Nakatsura.
coming back in, we are talking about potentially trumpet music. I don't know exactly what this track is called. From Ghostwire Tokyo Prelude, Corrupted Case File. Like I said, man, I was playing through this short little visual novel, and this track kicks in in the background, and I fell in love. Not only is the trumpet just hauntingly beautiful in this track, but then it kicks into a really nice Spanish guitar, man. It's an excellent track in a game that there's no reason for this track in there. It doesn't take place in any Latin American city. It's like a neo-futuristic Japan almost. <laughs> it almost looks like you're in a bar in the scene. I don't I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, there's it's like this is the bar that you go back to like when you're talking to your crew and discussing things and it's fairly early in 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 the short game like you know the character that's talking as you can see it because i recorded this myself i couldn't find anything on this i haven't even learned that character's name yet it's question marks (laughs) so (laughs) it's fairly early and it plays in this area like this is the only track that plays in this little area and it's the only time it plays so I don't know the significance. I don't think looking at the pictures, because they're in like a bar, like you said, and there's food, doesn't look like a Mexican restaurant. Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if whoever the uh, composer is just sort of had this lying around and they decided to use it for, for this scene. It's it, it reminds me of nothing so much as like a slow Carlos Santana jam. Right. Yeah. Right. It does. It absolutely does. <laughs> really and I think stuff. that's and why I like it so much, man, because you know I love that slower sound. Now, Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, I'm not familiar even with the original game. Um, have you Have you played it? I started it. I have it checked out from Gamefly. It came out about three weeks after this prologue. It released on March 25th. Um, again, it's it's like an action adventure. Uh, it's done by Tango Gameworks, which is which is the same studio that did the Evil Within and the Evil Within Two. Um, so there was a lot of hype coming into this, and it okay. was the the one girl. Oh, I'm trying to remember her name, but she came out on the stage on E3 and was like super bubbly and everybody just fell in love with her she was like the main director behind this game and then got replaced like a year or two before it came out and then this was actually um the creator of the evil within and resident evil shinji mikami also worked on this game briefly in its beginning before he left tango gameworks as well oh wow okay but yeah it's basically a first person game um a lot of martial arts a lot of karate and a lot of paranormal stuff because there's a lot of magic that you have to use and psychic abilities and you're going around defeating these ghosts and spirits that are inhabiting this neo-futuristic Tokyo. Well, I really like this block because all of it has a sort of Spanish flair to it. And, of course, Mexico uh, is to Spain kind of like uh, the states are to, uh, to Great Britain. That's like their, you know, their parent country. And it all, it all traces back to, uh, to Rome, which is where we get Latin in the first place. So, um, so yeah, and I, I, love, I love the Spanish like flamenco-style music and Spanish jazz and stuff like that. Just love it. Love it so much. And this next track... We know this composer knows his way around uh, around a jazz tune, and it looks oh, like yeah. he's done his homework when it comes to Spanish jazz as well. Oh, yeah. So this next tune, and before I say this next tune, Aikumi Nakamura. That's the other person I was trying to think of that worked on Ghostwire Tokyo before she left. Ah, uh, okay. We are talking about Scarlet Wind from Radiata Stories, which was composed, of course, by Noriyuki Awadare. And honestly, man, this is one of my favorite PS2 JRPGs. 
I really wish that this series, I know there was like another Radiata game on the 3DS, I think, but I, it was loosely tied to this and it didn't have a ton to do with this. I was hoping that this series would have developed into like a franchise where we could have got proper sequels because I fell in love with the mechanics. It was a lot like Suikoden where you had to recruit party members, but this particular track used to play in, uh, in Dice It. And there was an NPC at night that just used to play this on his guitar in the game. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I freaking man. love it. And dude, it's a rocking piece of Spanish guitar music, man. It's it's high tempo. Yeah, it really is. This was good stuff. And and something like you can tell with Iwadare that he's a performer. He's not just a composer. Like he knows how to play these instruments. Because right. you can always tell. Um, oh, I think I think a lot of people can tell the difference between somebody who is actually performing a composition and somebody who's you're sort of doing it on the computer um for for as much as i love naoki kodaka i can tell that he is just he's composing something that sounds like this rocking music but he's not actually playing it like he doesn't really you know he doesn't go that far when i hear somebody like tim fallen i can tell this was something that he played and then adapted into what he was composing so it's uh but this this was really really impressive stuff i like in the background how you can hear whoever's playing the drums slapping on the side of the drums i love that <laughs> mm -hmm. yep <laughs> yeah uh between it's between this one and your next one for me so far as to which one is my favorite of the show i, I really like these both yeah yeah and and that next track uh near the border from ace combat zero the belkin war is actually the credits music basically and we have played one track from this game previously on BG Mania. I think it's Zero, I think maybe was the name of the track, but it was also another very Spanish sounding tune. And this soundtrack actually has a lot of this style in there. This particular track was composed again by Junichi Nakatsura. And man, there is so much going on here. But not only that, I was able to get some, it's, I don't know that it's Latin vocals, but we had some nice opera style vocals in there that leads yeah. into my next block a little later on, which is totally different. <laughs> some really nice female female vocals in there and ace combat has just got some really fantastic music in it this is a really really good series as far as far as that goes it is i only have experience with whichever ace combat was packed in with the ps2 um that's the only one i've ever actually played but i i have heard a lot from the series soundtracks over the years yeah i've only played a few of the games myself and i've never i don't think i've ever finished any of them but they are fun games and the fans of these games are really fond of them. Like they always sell mm -hmm. pretty well and there's always positive word of mouth surrounding this series. But you're right, the soundtracks stand out. I've heard the soundtracks from top to bottom for all of these games. They're phenomenal. This was really fun. I, I, I love the uh, the castanets um, in, in this one before, again, the first half uh, to go along with that Spanish guitar. It just really, it really sort of transports you uh, to, to that part of the world and to... Um, you know, like you're watching a like you're watching a street fight with some you know masked claw ninja jumping on a fence or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's slower. Theme, it's but, slower, uh, which I love. Like yes. it's not a super fast tune, right? It does kind of sound faster in the background, and the Spanish guitar always just sounds quicker in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the actual pace of the track is really slow, and I love that. It's beautiful. It's really fitting for the for the end credits theme. So yeah, absolutely, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. 
Well, my first block, um, if we're ready to move into it, the first couple of songs I have here sound a lot like what we've been listening to. Um, and then the, the third one in this block, we'll get to it, is uh, going to be a little bit of a change of pace, which will kind of lead us into your um, second block, too. So um, be excited to talk about these when we get back. But uh, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and jump in. Let's do it. All right. First up, we're going to listen to Cheer Up which is the theme for Pepe and Pupa from Rage of the Dragons. This game was released June 6th, 2002, and was composed by Toshikazu Tanaka.
Next up, we have Tostarena Town from Super Mario Odyssey, released October 27th, 2017, composed by Naoto Kubo. Next up, we have the main theme from Elliot Quest, released March 19th, 2015, composed by Michael Chait.
right, coming back. First up, we are talking about Cheer Up, the theme of Pepe and Pupa from Rage of the Dragons. As I mentioned before, this was composed by Toshikazu Tanaka, who I had not heard of much before this. I think that he was related. Uh, um, he, he was an SNK composer, worked on Ikari Warriors. Um, uh, looks like Fatal Fury, uh, Fatal Fury King of Fighters, which I think was the first King of Fighters game when it spun off. Um, I know he has a few credits in later King of Fighters games, too. Yeah, Fatal Fury 2, uh, Power Instinct, which is what this is, this, I think the Rage of Dragons is part of the Power Instinct series. Uh, the King of the Monsters series worked on that, and then, like you said, um, the King of Fighters series as well. And this is just, this is really fun stuff, straight up Mexican street music. What did you think of this oh, track? Yeah. Dude, I love this. Like you said, you kind of mentioned to me when we first started listening to it how it sounds so similar to Mexican street music, and it just got me thinking, like, all the times that I spent in San Diego, which mm. is very close to the border as well, very close to Tijuana, um, walking through, like, Old Town San Diego, this is the style of music you hear, dude. <laughs> Yeah. I love it so much. I love yeah. it so much. And I was kind of listening because on VGMPF, uh, it lists some of his favorite artists, including Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, Vane Halen, Deep Purple, and Lee Rittenor for Toshikazu Tanaka. So I was okay. trying to hear if I could hear any like Vane Halen or Eric Clapton or Deep Purple in there, but I could not, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe in some other parts of the soundtrack, this is one kind of like Street Fighter 2. It looks like it kind of goes a little bit all over the place. As um, it should. Most fighting games do. This game has some really interesting, um, <laughs> a really interesting backstory. Apparently, um, the so the studio that developed this was a, um, a Mexican studio called Evoga Entertainment, uh, which uh, is an acronym of Evolution Games. Um, it is a Mexican video game company, and this game was actually the first like Mexican-Japanese collaboration of this kind uh, that, w that they worked with SNK, who, who of course published the game. Um, and uh, this and this game, and then Evolution Soccer the year before uh, for the arcade, are the only games that. Evoga Entertainment actually, it looks like, ever developed. There were several canceled games, um, and then they filed for bankruptcy, unfortunately, in 2004, shortly after this came out. But apparently, they had tried to get the rights to the Double Dragon series. This was going to be a sequel to the Neo Geo Double Dragon fighting game. And uh, so much so that the main characters of this game are still named Billy and Jimmy. They just have different last names. <laughs> That's interesting. And there's a secret boss character um, named Abubo, who was going to be Abobo from from Double Dragon. And it's it's really it's a really funny uh, funny story. If anybody wants to go and look that up on on Wikipedia, and you may be able to play this game soon, actually on current platforms. Yeah, you did notice that. Originally came out for the arcade and the Neo Geo, but yeah, in May of 2020, Pico Interactive acquired the IP, and it looks like ports for um, current-gen consoles are under development by Cubite Interactive. So who knows when those will see the light of day. Yeah, if ever, but that's kind of cool that this series might not be dead yet. And yeah, that leads us into a series that uh, that is definitely not dead. Um, oh, definitely not. <laughs> Next up, we're going to be talking about Super Mario Odyssey. And this is the music that specifically plays in Tostarina Town in the Sand Kingdom. So not when you're out and about in the desert, but in the little town, which is definitely very, very Mexican themed. A kingdom I spent 
too much time in because it was so big. So big. There's so much to do. There is, man. And that's part of the reason that I fell out of love with Odyssey at times, is that there just was too much to do. There were too many power moves. I can't imagine yeah. collecting all <laughs> 999 like Frank and Kyle did. I would never put myself through that. I couldn't do it. <laughs> it's it's a lot, man. I I did get all the power boons in this game. It was it was fun, but uh, I think a lot of it also was I was playing it for and with my kids at the time, and sure. so that's that definitely um, adds you know adds a different different dimension to it. And it's it's geared more, I think, toward a younger audience. Um, um, whereas games like Mario 64 and uh, Mario Sunshine, especially, I, I think they had a little bit broader appeal. Odyssey, Odyssey seems to me like um, it's a little bit younger focused than some of the other Mario games. I could see that. Yeah. So I could definitely see that. I like how this track actually had like a lot of the instrumentation and styles that you expect from Mario music, though. Like you can tell this is a Mario game just listen yes. to this track yeah um it's uh, and i don't know what it is i think uh it i mean koji kondo's original super mario ground theme has a lot of latin flavor to it there, there's a lot of latin dna and so i think that the fact that that's baked into the the quote-unquote mario sound probably has something to do with what you're talking about there too and it was cool that koji kondo actually had a few new compositions on the soundtrack as well yeah quite a few my favorite one um on the soundtrack uh is either steam gardens or bowser kingdom and both of those are koji kondo compositions so so going this strong is a good man one too this is a good one too though yeah i, I really will great. never forget seeing those little characters with the skull masks in their macarinas dancing around to this tune <laughs> oh, dude, it's so good that's yep. probably gonna be the cover up for this episode because i love them so much <laughs> yeah those little guys are cool i cannot remember for the life of me what they're called but they, they did a really good job of uh, sort of the 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 mesoamerican um desert theme i like that they did something different with pyramids and didn't go egyptian like everybody else does this was it was it was really cool. I thought they did a they did a cool job with this. Yeah, I just wish it wasn't so dang big, man. Could have been more condensed. <laughs> yes, it, it 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 definitely could have. I think that you know, Hat Kingdom was so relatively tiny, and then the uh, oh, what was it, Cascade Kingdom? Is that Fossil Falls? Um, Cascade Kingdom was also really it was pretty compact. There was See, more I think to Cascade Kingdom was the perfect design though because it wasn't too big, but there was a decent amount of stuff in there, and then you were done. Yeah, it was really dense, and then then the Sand Kingdom comes along, and there there this is not as tightly designed as a lot of um, as really what you would expect in a lot of Mario. There's a lot of more open space. There are a couple of puzzles that are not super intuitive. Um, it just uh, outside of Tostarina Town. I felt like there wasn't a whole lot of character to the Sand Kingdom. No, it was desert and then a lot of nothing in between a few different areas interspersed on the map, right? Like that area with the with the water, with the little cactus guys walking around in it. And then you had that giant hole back in the corner. And then there were a couple pillars with some stuff like floating around it on the left yeah, hand side. The, then the area <laughs> with like the poison um, and, and, and those stone guys, the Maori guys walking around. But in around. between all that was a bunch of nothing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like Breath of the Wild, actually. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And oh. I don't know if Kirby and the Forgotten Land is like that, but I imagine it is. I haven't gotten to it yet. We actually just ordered that a couple of days ago. My um, uh, Shukapau and Lemon Boy and I each went in on a third of the game because we're we're the ones that are going to be playing it the most. Yeah, and 20 bucks a piece. That's not bad. 
Yeah, and so we uh, we picked it up, and I I did the delayed delivery because we're all in the middle of other games right now anyway, and now I get a free dollar from Amazon, so um, <laughs> so uh, you'll get my you'll probably get some of my uh, impressions of that game here in in a few episodes. So. Yeah, I'll be curious to know what you think because it is something that I do plan to get to eventually. I just have no idea when. Yep. <laughs> well, next up is another game that I have I have not played, and. I had never actually heard of before I, I did the research on this, and I found this because I was looking up um, Mexican developers. This is probably, it's my, definitely my least Latin sounding track. Um, the, the music itself has almost nothing to do with the topic at hand. But Elliot Quest was developed by um, Ansimus Games, which I wasn't able to find out a lot of information about. It's an indie developer. Um, the the composer for this, um, Michael Chait, also wasn't able to find out a whole lot about. Um, he's not even mentioned on Wikipedia like a lot of composers are. So um, I never, never heard of this game. Uh, it was released for Windows in 2014. Uh, there was a port to the Wii U in 2015 and various other platforms throughout 2017. It does look like it came to the Switch October 19th, 2017. It's on Xbox One and PS4. I found his LinkedIn. Sort of an homage to um, games Michael like Chates. Metroid, Castlevania 2, and Zelda 2. Oh, yeah? Any, yeah. any insight there? Uh, well, he was the composer for Elliot Quest. He was the composer for A Heartful of Games, Winter Wolves Games. Um, nothing that I could tell you I've ever heard of, though. Gotcha. Huh. Yep, nothing nothing that sticks out to me that I would recognize. But he's done a lot of, like, 18 or so credits for smaller games. But all I can find is his LinkedIn. Yeah, Yeah. this looks like a really, really small game. Um, I'm looking at the main site for Ansemu's games. Yeah, they do a lot of small indie titles from what I'm looking at. Yeah, and I was curious if the other games that he composed were with them, and it doesn't look like they are. Almost looks like Pico 8 type stuff. Okay, so Ansimus um, looks like a solo developer, Luis Zuno, game designer and pixel artist. Uh, he's sharing his work with other game developers on this site. Um, he's interested in old, classic-looking games with nice aesthetics and atmospheres made with pixel art. And, yeah, so... He's a composer Luis himself, Zuno. Luis yeah, Zuno. He is. He's got he his own so- SoundCloud. I'm looking at he it right now. He's also a composer, so... Yeah. Interesting stuff. All right. There's a lot of synthwave in uh, my style of music, so I might have to check this out. And this was a nice, um, just upbeat, rocking sort of track. It sounds more like a battle theme than a main theme, so I'm not sure. I like the xylophone in the background, dude. Yes. I wonder if maybe this, there just wasn't a whole lot to this game, and so this was like the music that played most of the places where you go. Um, that would that would make a little more sense, but the game looks looks really nice. The, the it doesn't really look pixel arty to me. I don't know. I'm looking at it on Steam. I can see the Zelda inspiration for sure, mm-hmm. which he quotes in this. It's kind of like a Zelda two style game. Yeah, and even in the reviews says uh, we see Nintendo World Report scored eight out of ten. Called it a tremendous game. If you have any affinity for the aspects of Zelda two and Metroid, uh, that this is something you should be playing as soon as possible. No doubt this is an homage to games like Zelda 2 and Castlevania, but there's also a lot of originality here, uh, especially in the game's narrative. That That's from Arcade Sushi, who also gave it an 8 out of 10. So Sitting at mixed reviews on Steam, though, I wonder why. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, at the same time, it fails to push the modern retro genre into modernity as games like Shovel Knight and Rogue Legacy have. So maybe a little bit too too true to too its roots. yeah. Yeah, um, not, you know, not, not really developed for with modern tastes in mind. So, 
but probably worth worth looking into. Maybe if you can pick it up on uh, pick it up on cheap. How how much is it on Steam right ten now? Bucks. Ten bucks. Yeah, yeah I don't know if I'd, I'd spend ten bucks on something like this, but um, I would definitely spend five. Especially since it's already been out for about eight years. Like, yeah, I would wait sure. to catch it because you. I guarantee it's been a dollar before on a Steam sale. So. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely. guarantee that. <laughs> At some point, it's been a dollar. <laughs> well, like I said, this is my least Latin sounding um, as far as like Mexican, Brazilian, that sort of style of music. Uh, so I am interested because you mentioned that your next block is kind of yeah, unique what do you say in that we way as well. Deviate even further and go into <laughs> tracks that have Latin vocals in them. Let's let's get to it, man. I'm excited. What let's do we got coming up first? Coming up first, we have the Song of the Bats from Elden Ring, released February 25th, 2022, composed by Sukasa Sado. <laughs> Nos destinatem matribus nunc fiun turpes. Ploravimus, lacrimavimusque, sed nemonus consolatur aureum cui Cerbaris, o locus ille, betus quondum nunc deminuit, nos destinatem matribus nunc fiun turpes, ploravimus, Lacrimavimusque, sed nemonus consolatur aureum cui rascerbaris. This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast the media files me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations laughs are shared tears are cried and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with download the media files wherever you download podcasts and remember be kind be honest and we'll see you later next up in this block we have hymn of the faith from final fantasy 10 Released December 17th, 2001, composed by Nobuo Uematsu.
Last up, we have Invincible from World of Warcraft Wrath of the Lich King. Released November 13th, 2008, composed by Russell Brower. Again, we are talking about the Song of the Bats from Elden Ring. Again, this was composed by Sukasa Sado. I was talking to you about this, and this is a track that exists in the game that enemies sing. And there's a few of these in the game. This is not the only one. There's a couple other tracks that are very similar to this, but none of them is hauntingly beautiful. And this is called the Song of the Bats because in the game, there are these bat enemies and every so often you'll hear this track like playing in the distance and if you run to the area where you're hearing it from you'll see this like giant bat wearing a crown of thorns basically all tied up together 
and it's just singing this beautiful Latin track, dude, about how there's like no hope left in the world and why things are so angry at them. And it's it's just very unsettling, but it gives me goosebumps hearing it, dude. And there's no like actual instrumentation. It's all vocals. <laughs> it's all it's it's completely acapella. And along with the visuals, just like I was telling you when we were listening, really unsettling. I've been enjoying following the uh, sort of the commentary on this game, because if I if I do eventually play it, it's going to be in in a while. I just don't see myself having time to jump into something like this anytime too soon. It's a very but meaty game. It takes a really while been enjoying to get through following y'all's uh, y'all's path through it and it's really unsettling man just the the visuals that you showed me of these creatures that are singing this song along with with the actual just the haunting um the music itself but also the lyrics just really really effective stuff here it really is and the whole soundtrack to elden ring obviously we did that episode a few weeks back the solo one one of the ones you weren't on and it's doing quite well in terms of of numbers as i expected it would but the entire soundtrack is just top to bottom expertly put together dude really loved that episode everything just makes sense and the sounds like the unsettling nature of, of a lot of the music and a lot of the areas in the game because the game is kind of on the darker side of things and it's kind of bleak but the soundtrack paints that picture very well yes yeah it's really good stuff man it's really cool and then that middle track that I had in that block actually probably one of the more well-known tunes I would assume from this episode outside of maybe Mario Odyssey but I know a lot of people put time into Final Fantasy X and this track, I was actually kind of shocked I had never played it. So I was kind of <laughs> glad that I was able to because I had it in my mind when we came up with this idea that I was going to pick some Latin sounding, like Latin vocal style tracks. And this yeah. is one of my favorites in gaming, the Hymn of the Faith from Final Fantasy X, again, composed by Nobuo Uematsu. Um, it's just gorgeous, man. And this is like any time that you're going up into like the temples or churches that Yuna has to travel to throughout her journey to become this, I forget what they call it in this game, but um, <laughs> like spirit walker or, or something. God, I'm, I, I'm so bad. I don't remember that kind of stuff, but um, it's just gorgeous. And it's very, while it's meant to be like peaceful and calm, there's a lot of like the world is ending in Final Fantasy X and you get that sadness in this track. Yeah, for sure. This um, th this whole trio of tracks was was really really somber, really calm, um, but just uh, almost harkened back to that emotions of sadness episode that we did a couple couple of a uh, couple episodes ago. It all of these could have fit. Yep, a, a really nice um, I think departure from a lot of a lot of the rest that we listened to, and actually kind of leading into my first track of my next block as well, which we'll get to in a minute. But but first um. Yeah, this uh, I have never played Final Fantasy X. If I if I had, I uh, this might this might mean a little bit more to me. But it's it's just beautiful, and I do own FF10. I need to get to it. Do you have the I've HD the, remakes? Uh, I do. I have the the two pack HD remakes for Switch. You should really uh, play FF10 those. And FF10 too. Yeah, you should really play those. I know a lot of people give Final Fantasy X and X2 flack, but I'm, I mean, X2 is okay, but Final Fantasy X really is one of my favorite Final Fantasies. It's, it's an expertly put together story, and the soundtrack is just amazing. Like, it's really well done. The people who I've heard who like Final Fantasy X, they, they love it. Like, they've played it multiple times, so. It's funny that some of my favorite Final Fantasies, though, are some of the ones that are the least liked in terms of, like, 
the meta rankings, right? Like a lot of people <laughs> hate on Final Fantasy X. A lot of people love to hate on Final Fantasy VIII, and those are two of my favorites, which is crazy. <laughs> and then, uh, not surprised at all that you would bring something excellent from from this next game. Oh, dude, I had to, and and we haven't done a spotlight on the Wrath of the Lich King expansion yet from World of Warcraft, which this track comes from, the last one in my block, of course, composed by the amazing Russell Brower, who, anytime he touches Warcraft, can do no wrong, in my opinion. Um, this, Wrath of the Lich King, just two weeks ago, was announced for the Classic version, much like Blizzard has been doing with World of Warcraft Classic and the Burning Crusade Classic. Of course, Wrath of the Lich King was next, since it was the second expansion. I'm very interested to jump back in. Wrath of the Lich King is my favorite World of Warcraft expansion, and it has my most fondest memories. Like, I spent the most time raiding in that expansion. It's where I met a lot of the friends that I still have that I met in Warcraft to this day. Um, I did recently talk on Max Level last week how I was tempted to get back into World of Warcraft because of Wrath of the Lich King Classic being announced, and of course the new expansion, Dragonflight. I did resubscribe. I did resubscribe over this weekend and I started leveling mm -hmm. my shaman again. He was level 40, was the character that Jessica and I were kind of leveling together. But since that's not going to happen anymore, I decided to continue that character because it was the one that I wanted to play. Um, so he was level 40. I think he's 44 now. I picked up four levels this weekend. Leveling is a breeze in this game. It doesn't take long at all. I spent maybe two hours total doing that. But um, this particular track, Invincible, comes from the end of the Wrath of the Lich King's like main raid Ice Crown Citadel. And it ties into Arthas Menethil, who was the Lich King. But before he became the Lich King, he was the Prince of Lordaeron, and which Lordaeron was the human like northernmost kingdom in the Eastern Kingdoms up there in the Tearsfall Glades, which in World of Warcraft became the Undercity, led by Sylvanas Windrunner. And it's where the undead start for the Horde. But um, Arthas was the son of Tyrannus Minithil, and he has a very tragic story arc throughout Warcraft, right? Like, he became this apprentice paladin, he went into the Knights of the Silver Hand, and then uh, he started up this fight against the Scourge, but ultimately ended up becoming the Lich King himself. And at the end of this raid, which it's not a spoiler, uh, everybody knows at this point, and again, the, this raid's been out forever, and clearly if you follow Warcraft, you know who Arthas is. At the end of the Ice Crown Citadel raid, you kill him because he's the main boss. And when he's lying there dying, like the ghost of Tyrannus Minithil appears and is like standing over him. And it's very touching. It's very sad. And every time I hear this track, which plays in that moment, like when he's dying at top of the Ice Crown Citadel, it, it just brings goosebumps and tears to my eyes. And it still does to this day, man. It's my favorite piece of music, I think, from the entirety of World of Warcraft. Man, wow. That's high praise. Really interesting that you haven't brought this before. I know. And I think it's because I was waiting for a more proper focus on the Wrath of the Lich King soundtrack. But I decided that this episode's theme was too perfect not to play this. Like, I wanted to have some sort of, like, powerful Latin vocal tracks, and this one is it to me. We will do a Wrath of the Lich King spotlight at some point closer to the time when the classic version comes out, but there's too much stuff to pick from still. Like, I'm okay sacrificing <laughs> this track for this theme. And it probably is my favorite thing we're going to play today. Like, I love this piece of music. Very cool, very cool. 
Well, um, I am excited to get to my next block of tracks. Uh, we're going to be starting. I, I mentioned that this would lead into my first track of, of my next block. And um, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to move things around just a touch. Mm. And then we'll, uh, we'll close out. Um, so I'm actually going to bring next a song called Esperanza in Duelo. This is from the game Sunset, released May 21st, 2015 composed by Austin Wintry with lyrics and performance by Maluka. Next up, we have Theme of El Fuerte from Super Street Fighter 4, released April 27th, 2010, composed by Hideyuki Fukasawa.
And for my final track of this block, you're listening to Caverna del Pollo from Guacamele, released April 9th, 2013, composed by Rom de Prisco. First up, we are talking about Esperanza in Duelo from Sunset. 
And I was telling you beforehand when, when I mentioned this track, this one is really interesting. We were talking about the composers, and I'm not sure what's going on with this. Uh, you said you had never heard of this game before, neither I had I. No. Uh, I feel like this was a really, really small indie-style game. Um, this uh, The composer was, uh, was Austin Wintry, as, as we mentioned. The title of the track in the game is Traditional, performed by Maria Judith Romero. And there is not a um, uh, any famous Spanish singer named Maria Judith Romero, and I could not find a Spanish traditional called Esperanza en Duelo. So that makes me think that this is meta, and that Maria may be somebody in the game who is based on Maluca, whose real name is Judith de los Santos. Uh, she is credited as the lyricist and vocalist on this track. And um, yeah, I actually thought she was performing guitar as well. According to the band camp, the guitar was actually done by Tom Strau. But really simple lyrics. Esperanza en duelo, corazones latiendo con miedo, uh, alma sin consuelo, van marchando con sueños de paz. Hope in mourning, hearts beating with fear, souls without solace, marching with dreams of peace. Uh, light reflects the restlessness, clinging to an illusion that fades with the sun. So yeah, just really yet another kind of a fits with your with your tracks. Uh, really Absolutely. sad, really somber, really dark kind of uh, kind of feel that Maluka just always shines on this kind of music. Yeah, this was gorgeous, and you know, unknowingly, Frank had a track last week on BG Mania from her. Yeah, it was funny. I um I I heard that after I had already narrowed down. I knew I was gonna bring this one because I think this is the only one that features work by a Mexican composer on our soundtrack. Ooh. Yeah, maybe. Maluka is from Monterey, uh, where she currently lives. Um, she, I think that, I think that she's like our age, man. It says she graduated from college in Berkeley in 2005, which was the same year I graduated. So yeah, so that would make sense. I mean, I I would have graduated in 2008 from college if I would have finished. So mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah. So but so cool. And her story is really cool. Everything she does, I just I'm I'm in love with. Uh, a little bit in love with her, uh, just like Frank is, as you mentioned. And um, just, man, I can't You guys need to go on the VGM Fight Club then and battle it out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And Austin <laughs> Wintry, of course, as well. Just a, just a massive talent. Um, really one of the modern greats. Um, and really, really wide, really wide breadth of musical style as well. I love Austin Wintry, dude. He's one of my favorite like, modern composers. Yeah, like his work on Abzu and Journey is amazing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Journey is just rose immediately into the the pantheon of, of video game music greatness and games as well. It's just it's a really and cool games. game. But, Absolutely. Well, then we closed out my block with two more uh, classic Mexican style songs, but with uh, you know with a little bit of modern or a little bit of flair from uh, what what really just sounds like video game music kind of like Absolutely. you mentioned with with mario and then with my um with my rage of the dragons track as well uh first up we have el fuerte's theme from super street fighter 4 and i i had super street fighter 4 i think i finished the main like single player mode with every character in the game oh, wow. i really spent a lot of time with that on the 3ds when it came out i had the 3d edition and didn't have a whole lot else at the time. And it was just, I hadn't really gotten into Street Fighter since Street Fighter 2. I never really played the Alpha games much, never really played 3 very much. And so 4 was kind of my coming back to the series. And 
I, I liked of the new characters, El Fuerte and Rufus were the ones who really stuck out to me. And El Fuerte is just so much fun. I I mentioned to you while we were listening that there are several um, different characters that are associated with Mexico in the different or with uh, with like with well yeah specifically Mexico in the different games. Um, T Hawk is a um, uh, Mexican um, indigenous representative. Uh, what we would call Native American, but in Mexico. Um, and then in the new game, I don't remember his name, but I know there's like an Aztec warrior who's got this sort of mystical um, feel about him, kind of like a, an Aztec Akuma almost. I don't remember what his name is, but anybody who knows the series will, will can look him up. Yeah, Frank's kicking us right now because he's like, oh, he's trying to like, he's screaming it as he's listening. He knows it already. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't know okay. that much about Street Fighter, unfortunately. I mean, I play them, but I don't know. I'm not deep in the lore in it. Well, you know what? Then I will. I'll just. Do a little bit of live research here because I can pull it up here pretty fast. Uh, I played Super Street Fighter 4. I remember renting it from the local family video. I want to say that Justin and I actually played it together. When did Super Street Fighter 4 release? It was, what, 2010? So, yeah. April 27, 2010, yeah. That was right around because I want to say that my ex-wife and I, we were planning on moving to Ohio and we had came out for like a week or so and we ended up staying with Justin and his ex-wife and this game had came out and we rented it from Family Video. We spent like two nights just playing it together and beat like a few of the, the story missions with a couple of the characters and had a lot of fun with it. But that was my experience with Street Fighter 4. Really fun, really fluid, easy to get into. The, the character I'm talking about from Street Fighter 5 is named Nikali. He's an ancient, mysterious Aztec warrior searching for the souls of powerful fighters to devour. Um, and in some cases, he devours the fighters themselves along with their souls. He's kind of likened to Blanca when he when he gets more savage. Um, but uh, I eventually went with El Fuerte. I almost went with T-Hawk's theme because I really like it a lot, uh, even back from Super Street Fighter 2. I love this. But I love this. This this guitar in this track is yeah excellent. This was so great. And El Fuerte is a, he's a luchador, you know? I yeah, he's El Francero. Um, Got to honor El Frank Caro. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, he's a luchador and, and a chef traveling the world in an effort to perfect his lucha libre skills and hone his cooking abilities. He really is. A, he really is El Frank Caro. Yep. There, there's some um, speculation that he might also be loosely based on. Um, oh, gosh. What was his name? I remember hearing this at one point. Um, Jack Black movie, Nacho, Nacho Libre. Libre. Yes, Nacho Libre, um, and who I think that he was actually based on an actual like real life luchador as well. Um, what a great movie but, that is! Kind of stupid, but what an enjoyable stupid, movie. But, but really great, yeah. In 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 the vein of, and I think superior to some of like the stupid uh, Adam Sandler movies, of course. But in that same kind of in that same kind of vein, and. Uh, yeah, Nacho Libre is really fun. If anybody hasn't seen it, uh, I would I would recommend it. It's not a big investment, and it's it's a really cute little film. I actually just had it on in the background. I want to say within the last two weeks or so, um, you know, just while doing work, listening to it. It's one of those movies that it's you don't have to pay attention to it all the time either. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and. 
yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I remember El Fuerte being uh, being a really fun character. He's super fast. He reminds me a lot of Scalomania, who I brought a Scalo track a couple of episodes ago. He's also got that luchador flair to him. But yeah, I had to had to bring this. You had to had to represent that that very important feature of um, of Mexican culture. The you know the the, the luchador luchadores. And let's hope that Street Fighter Six is good because. Five was not so much. Let's hope. Let's yeah, hope. five, five. They didn't really. Uh, I, I feel like it just wasn't supported the way it should have been from the beginning. They they really kind of crapped the bed with the rollout of Street Fighter Five. I've heard from people who play it now that it's actually a really decent game. But the problem is you gotta, you know, you gotta get people invested up front, and especially with a series as as old and as storied as Street Fighter, you can't you can't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, just can't, right. you just can't do that. But yeah, this was really cool. I also like it reminds me some of the, um, the Fire Pro Wrestling soundtracks back it on does. the SNES. Yeah, it's got Those some of that flair as well. Dude. So yeah, the soundtracks are crazy. Of, a little bit of Japanese flavor there too, but cool stuff. You, you doubled up on the Luchadors here at the end. I did because next up, yeah, we're listening to uh, Caverna del Pollo from Guacamelee. Featuring, of course, the, um, you know, the luchador, Juan. what's his name, Juan? Juan. Yes, yeah. Juan, <laughs> who, uh, at, at, at the beginning of the game, it's been several years since I, I played this on my Wii U, but he gets the ability to access the world of the dead, which is like you kind of go back and forth, sort of light world, dark world style, as you go through this uh, um, 2D exploration action side-scrolling adventure game, <clears throat> commonly uh, referred to as a Metroidvania. It's really, really fun stuff, and this track just perfectly, it perfectly illustrates the tongue-in-cheek, really, really campy nature of this game, but it's really, really good. Just like the game. Really, really good and fantastic uh, lots game. Of fun. Both of them. Guacamelee and Guacamelee 2. I enjoyed the heck out of both of those. And I know we've played a decent amount from those soundtracks on prior episodes of BG Mania. I was glad to see that you brought a track from the series on this episode. You know what? I actually I don't think I even looked at the uh, at the at, at the list this time. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I I think I might have early on and then I added this track later on in, in the game. So this was really fun, though. And Rome de Prisco, who uh, composed this particular track, this looks like Guacamelee 2 looks like his most recent composition from what I can see on Wikipedia. He's done a lot of games, done a lot of TV and, and movies, but um, he hasn't done anything since 2018 that, that I've seen. So, Well, I'm sure they're gonna, there's going to be a Guacamelee 3, most likely. You think so? I do, so. and it's I have been... a feeling he'll be back for that. Okay, okay. It's been four years. We'll see. I don't know. Um, when let me see well i guess it was five years between guacamelee and guacamelee too so yeah yeah you never know never know i haven't i haven't heard anything but i don't have my ears to the ground like that so and you know the you know the developers drinkbox likes to go back to their ips every so often and they just did that nobody saves the world rpg that came out earlier this year so their their hands are freed up so i have a feeling they might be returning to guacamelee 3 at this point that would be really cool. I like that you pointed out to me that the chickens are in this track in the background, like in the music. Yep. I don't think I noticed that before. You can hear them, and then some of the synths at, at some point almost sound like robot chickens. <laughs> like I could, I could hear that maybe in Which like a little bit of the dead show back in the day. Robot chicken. Yeah, robot chicken, man. I think aren't they still making episodes? They might us? be. <laughs> 
<laughs> yep, Robot Chicken and uh, Video Game Connection because the last uh, one of the last like um, big deal presentations before they moved to Nintendo Directs, uh, Robot Chicken did uh, did some skits for Nintendo. Back I remember in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, somebody somebody in the audience asked uh, Robot Chicken Reggie about Mother Three, and he ate a fire flower and yes. shot him with a fireball. I think that was <laughs> was that 2013 or it was somewhere around there. I God, that was a, that was been. an entertaining E3 presentation. It was. That was the same one where they had the uh, Star Fox puppets. Yep. And yeah, and I think that was also the same one where they announced the Mies for. Um, Smash Bros. for the Wii U, and there was the Reggie and uh, Mr. Iwata fight. It may have been. That was a really good presentation. Yeah, that was entertaining. It was fun. Yeah, really good stuff. Nintendo doesn't do that anymore. They're not fun. (laughs) No, no, they're they're not as much. Most of their games are still pretty decent, though. They are, but they don't have the personalities that they did back in the day, right? Like, Reggie's gone, Satoru Iwata passed away, unfortunately. Like, a lot of the personality that was at Nintendo is no longer there. Yep, yep, it's pretty sad. Even um, Nintendo Minute, uh, Kit and Krista from Nintendo Minute, they they recently got let go because they they closed the office that they were working in, and so they've actually spun off into their own podcast. Yeah. Yeah, which is doing pretty pretty well. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems to be, and they're just so much fun. They're so wholesome. They are. Yeah, they they do. So, well, they yeah. work well together. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. And this this track though was so much fun. This whole episode, man, has been a blast as always. Always love showing up and recording with you. Yeah, I'm glad this actually worked out well. I'm glad, obviously, that a majority of the playlist ended up what you would think for for an episode titled Latin, but like I said, I'm glad that we had different stuff kind of thrown in there as well, right? With Elliot Quest and Elden Ring, Final Fantasy, World of Warcraft, even Sunset to an extent was pretty different from some of the other stuff that we heard. And we're going to get something different to close out the show, too. Yeah. So if you do throw this on for uh, your Cinco de Mayo party, just to uh, remind people, it's it's uh, not just Mexican music. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You're going to get a bit of Latin in there as well. <laughs> it's still great stuff. Great stuff, nonetheless. So closing out, I brought, because you opened up with Cruisin' World... Uh, I'm closing out with another racing game. <laughs> I don't know if you caught I that love as that. well. When I saw that you had this on the list, I wondered if you might do that when I picked I did. the world Yeah, open. it was on purpose. <laughs> but um, this is from Horizon Chase Turbo. The name of the track is Brazilian Street Race, and it was composed by the legendary Barry Leach. And dude, this is a great closeout track. It goes everywhere. And there's a little bit of like, especially in the drums, like you can tell some of the Spanish flair. But this track, really, it just has a bit of everything. It does. It does. And I, I love this soundtrack. I love Barry Leach. Um, and I'm really glad we're, we're closing out with something fun like this. And yeah, just really, really enjoyed this evening. Really looking forward to the next one. And, Me too. Um, me too. Yeah, I, you, you, you've shown me some, kind of some of your, your plans for the near future, and I'm, I'm excited about some, some of what we're going to be bringing. Yeah, we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Um, obviously, the name of this track, Brazilian Street Race, that's not the only reason I picked it. The studio that developed Horizon Chase and Horizon Chase Turbo is Aquirus Game Studio, and they are based in the southern part of Brazil. So okay. you and I were cool. kind of talking a little bit how... 
Brazil really isn't considered like Latin America or anything like that, right? Like they they tend well, it to. Is, it is still Latin America. It's still Latin it's not, America, yes, they, but they they tend Brazilian to. Brazilian people are not Hispanic. Right. Is the thing is that they, they tend they to Latino, associate with the Hispanic. Portuguese side of things. Yes, because Brazil was settled by Portugal, still a Latin country, a Latinate country, but very different from places like like Mexico, El Salvador, uh, places like that that are going to have more of that Spanish influence. Yeah, they're they're so far south they're they're not too far from the border of Uruguay. Okay. Actually. Okay. Yeah. So Brazil has a really a really interesting huge dude. It, oh yeah, it's absolutely. It's almost as big uh, as the um, continental United States. Yes. It's it's massive. Um, huge lots of different states in Brazil uh has a, a, a huge history and an interesting gaming scene as well. Uh there are a lot of um VGM fans in in Brazil. I know that uh my new soundtrack, who is one of my favorite um, remixers, is from Brazil. Um, I think he's from Brazil. He might actually be from Chile. There is another podcast who I'm going to shout out real quick because I had not heard of it until very recently. Um, oh, I think I know who you're talking about then. Osam do Carcho? Is that him? Osom do Carcho, yes. Yeah. Um, Osom do Carcho, which is a Brazilian uh, video game music podcast. Uh, the only one I know of out of Brazil. So anybody who um, might have found that, uh, yes, the Brazilian VGM podcast, Som do Carcho, which is uh, is Spanish for cartridge sound. Um, creator recently reached out to me on Twitter about a project that I'm working on and seems like a really, really cool guy. So if you're interested, and especially if you know Spanish, go, go check out that show. <laughs> Good plug. I like it. I like it. But I think that's going to bring us to the close of the show this week, unless you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we get on out of here. I am going to be releasing probably around the same time as this goes out, maybe the weekend after uh, the next episode of Very Good Music. We're Shuka Pow and I are going to be talking about boats, uh, tracks having to do with boats. Good theme. Something he's been wanting to do for a while. Good theme for springtime. Yep. Yep. It's fun. We bring a lot of really fun music and I'm having a a good time. It's not too long. It doesn't go on like, uh, like some of ours do. So it'll be a nice, uh, nice light episode for all to check out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward. But no, to that's it. it, man. So all right, well, that's getting into some Barry Leach. Bring to us to the close of the show for this week. Then we do want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania, made possible, of course, BarryPGera.com. If you like video game music and more importantly, you like us and you want to help grow the show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Click it, join it, and interact with us taking us out of this episode once again we are going to be taking a listen to my final submission which is race three brazilian street race from horizon chase turbo released november 28th 2018 composed of course by barry leach keep the music playing and keep it loud